50 years for Nancy to get him into this shape, and here he comes this morning. So let him know you love him. Good morning. It's always good to see the family of God. At my age, it's good to see anybody. I'll be ministering out of 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, and a couple of verses out of Ephesians, the 1st chapter. Is that Robert over there? Hello, Robert. Good to see you again. God bless you. Always miss you guys. Hello, sweetie. God bless you. Give me a hug. Okay, I'll take it. Good to see you. I'll be ministering out of that second chapter, I mean the sixth chapter of Second Kings. And it's a time when Israel was at war with Syria and Syria. Every time they made plans to confront Israel, somebody was giving information to Israel and they they couldn't go and make war with them. They was always getting the plans ahead of time. So he called his military personnel together and he's wanting to know who was the informant to Israel. And one of them spoke up and says, none of them. He said, it's that prophet Elisha over in Israel. He's the one that's giving them the information. He knows what's going on even in your bedchamber. And so he said, okay, we're going to make plans. We're going to take this guy out. And we'll begin reading then at verse 13. And he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dotham. Therefore, send he hither horses, chariots, and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God had risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Ephesians 1. We've seen Elisha, first of all, praying for, for his servant. And now in this, this chapter, Paul is praying for God's people. Verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Father, I pray that the word of God would go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost and with demonstration. And I'm believing you, Lord, to establish my thoughts that I would have the mind of Christ for the people. Lord, be glorified in this house today. Minister to the people and win souls. In Jesus' name, amen. At the beginning of the year, a lot of prophets and a lot of people with prophetic anointings were saying how 2020 would be a year of vision using the 2020 vision. And we heard many words on that. And this morning, I just want to release what's in my spirit, not just about 2020, but from now on, what we need to have from God in our hearts. First of all, I want to say you have two sets of eyes. <laughs> How many know you have two sets of eyes? A few of you do. So I'll try to explain what I'm talking about. If you've seen when Elisha prayed, he prayed for his servant that his eyes be open. His natural eyes, he could see with his natural eyes. He already seen the, all the armies surrounding him. So he's seen with his natural eyes. But Elisha's prayed that his spiritual eyes would be open, that he could see that there are more with them than there was with the enemy. And he had a revelation of the camp of God. The angels of God surrounded them also. So you see, some eyes were open. It wasn't his spiritual eyes. It was the other pair of eyes. I mean, it wasn't his natural eyes. It was his spiritual eyes that were open so he could see and make contact in the spirit realm. Spirit realm. What happens is we focus too much on what we see in the natural realm, and we forget to look and see things from the Spirit's way. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord, but that which has been revealed belongs to you and to your children and to your children's children. Remember Paul prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord. That's revelation coming from the Spirit of God. So when through the Word, even in my preaching today, if your lights get turned on, your eyes get open, your understanding enlightened, you're going to get something from the Spirit that you can take on for the rest of your life. It's a revelation. It's yours. Now that revelation, he says, is not only for you, but you need to pass it on to your children and your children's children so that they would have the revelation you're going to have that they're going to need to get through life so that they learn to use their spiritual eyes even more than you use your natural eyes because it's the spirit realm that's going to get you through this. Very seldom do we pay attention that there is a, a spiritual realm. Like that servant, he didn't know there was even angels around there. How many of you know there's angels in here? Are you aware that there's angels in here? You ain't going to lie in church, are you? But if the Lord would open your eyes right now, you would see angel activity all through this place right here, right now. There's an angel with me right now. 
There's an angel with you right now. Come on. Are you aware of your angel? But there is a spiritual realm we need to be aware of at all times if we're going to get through this life the way God meant for us to get through this life. When he spoke to his servant, the first thing he said to him when he started talking is fear, he said, fear not. Why do you tell him fear not? Because when you enter into fear, you become spiritually blind. Just like you're going to have natural blindness, you can have spiritual blindness. If you allow yourself to get into unbelief and fear, you're shut off from having the Spirit's perspective. We need to see things from God's side. As He has revealed to us in His Word, that's the way we need to live. What He's revealed to us, that's the way we need to live. Every time we read the Word of God, we should ask Him to open our eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous, thing, wondrous things out of thy law. When he opens our eyes, what he gives us, that's ours. We can take it through the rest of our life. We can use it all through life. You'll read things in here time and time again, and then all of a sudden the lights go on. Bing! Your understanding is being enlightened by God. He's wanting to reveal something to you that he wants to get to you, that you can live by. There was one scripture I was reading, oh, for years I've been on the scripture. And the other day, as I opened the word, simple words come out. Freely you received, freely give. And all of a sudden, bing, what God gave me, I got to give it away. A lot of people say uh, healing and all of this is, is not for today. All these things are not for today. But then I'm saying to myself, why did God give me something to give to them? If he doesn't want them healed, why did he anoint me? If he doesn't want them set free, why, why would he anoint me? Why would he, why would he give me his power and authority to deal with what's in front of me? He gave it to me freely. Now he doesn't want me to keep it. Now he wants me to give it. So if I pray for somebody that's sick, I'm going to freely give that person the anointing to destroy that power of infirmity that's in its body. I'm going to release it in faith now, knowing God gave me it to give to them. Now what happens is not between me and that person. What happens now is between God and that person. I'm going to do what God told me to do because he gave me the revelation to give what he's given to me. My job then is finished there, unless I can encourage him somewhere down the road. But the idea is, whatever God gives you, release it. See, a lot of people in the church, I'm not saying here, there is a Laodicean church, and they don't even know that they're blind, spiritually blind. Jesus, uh, Jesus said to him when he was walking through the churches, he said, you don't even know that you're wretched and you're blind. He said, you need to come to me and buy ISAB to get your, get your focus back. Be able to see like you're supposed to see. You're, you're spiritually blind. All you're living is toward living by the flesh and, and, and what you can see. That, that, that's your whole lifestyle. You're not even in the spirit. You don't even know where it's at. Come on now, church. 
We know now that perilous times are here, not they're coming. They're here. Turn on that television, you'll know they're all around us. There's a lot of crazy ones out there. I mean, they're vicious people. You watch the State of the Union, you've seen one in particular. They're some vicious people. If they could kill that man, they would kill him. But that's the way it is today. And you turn on the TV and now you hear this coronavirus. How it's spreading through China. I don't even think they're telling you the truth how many is there. Some of it's in, in the States now and all in different places. But you know, the Lord knew that was going to come. And he also gave us a revelation to live out during this time. If you weren't here last Sunday, my wife had a word from the Lord. He showed her that this was a spirit of infirmity and we need to use our authority and the power God has given to us to deal with it. And he revealed that like at the first Passover, when God's people were in Egypt, they applied the blood over the doorpost so that the death angel could not come into the dwelling place. So the Lord said, now, you have the blood of Jesus. Come on now. We don't put blood on the doorpost, the natural blood, but in the spirit by what was revealed to us. Now with our words, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We now testify the blood of the lamb is now protecting our house. We apply it by faith over our house. That this coronavirus cannot come into my dwelling place. But this is all by faith. Now, you're doing it because you have a revelation that was given to you. Your spiritual eyes are open now. You have something to deal with what's on the earth. But we must use what God gives us. Because if we stay focused with the natural eyes, we'll become spiritually blind and have no power over this spirit of infirmity. I'm preaching real good now. You see what happens is... Luke 21, 26, he said the people's hearts were failing them for fear. Looking after those things that were coming upon the earth. See, we're not to be focused on what's coming upon the earth. We know it's on the earth. We focus on what God has given to us with our spiritual eyes and with our faith we release it. Help me preach this now. Come on. This is good. Many years ago, I came in contact with a prophet of God named Dick Mills. Several times he spoke into my life, and almost every time he spoke into my life, he gave me scriptures about safety and God's keeping power. I would go to watch him even when I was on the job. I would take my lunch hour. If I knew he was in the area, I'd take my lunch hour, and I'd go like where those back doors are, and I'd stand there, and I'd have my radio on real low, and I'd just be peeking through the door. Listen to what you have to say. And then he'd stand, he'd stop, and he, and you, <laughs> in the back door, that policeman. <laughs> I couldn't even hide. He'd call me up. And he would start ministering in the spirit to me. And one of the scriptures he gave me was in Psalm 91.10. And it says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling place. 
that word is a revelation from God for me to keep in my spirit and stay focused on what he has said to me. No matter what I hear, no matter what I see. No plague will come nigh my dwelling place. If you want to be safe, come where I live. I'm serious. One time we was, we was getting on an airplane and we was coming back from Israel. And this one lady was so frightened. I mean, she didn't want to get on that plane. And my wife and I told her, I said, look, look, don't be afraid. The Lord already told us he was going to get us back home safe. Hey, don't be afraid. You're going to get there. We let her in on the revelation God gave us. That he was going to get us back home. He was going to preserve us going out and coming in. I knew I was going to get home. That plane wasn't like going to wreck. I was going to get home. See, that's the way you got to live. We helped the lady with our revelation from God. That's why the Lord said, pass this stuff down to your children and your children's children. You do these things by faith. We said we have two sets of eyes. I remember my wife says, what are you going to tell Candy your, your sermon is? What's the title of your sermon? I thought a little bit. I said, tell her two sets of eyes. So I was looking at something online and there's something about the eagle there. As I was reading down about the eagle, it says the eagle has two sets of eyes. I said, whoa. It says two sets of eyes. It says one is when he's the natural eye, the real eye. It says it's for when he's in a resting mode, like down in the natural realm. He says, but the second set of eyes he uses in flight on strong thermal winds without damaging his original eyes. He says he used them flying through thunderstorm clouds. to protect himself. Now, what's that say to us when I say you have two sets of eyes? Your spiritual eyes are to get you through the storms in life. They get you through these fiery trials that come before us. We don't, we don't get through them with the natural eyes, the natural thinking. We get through them with what God has provided for us, the revelation he's gave, given us from the Scripture. We use that to get through. The storm is there. The wind is raging. But we got to lean on the word of God and what he has spoken to us. It says in Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When I went in over into the Amplified Bible and I looked things up, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge, be aware of him. Be aware of him in all your ways, no matter where you are, what you're going through. Be aware of him that he is with you in it. Amen. Brother Lawrence wrote a book that says, Practicing the Presence of God. And that's what we've got to do. We may not see him, but he's with us. He's not only with us, he's in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We must make ourselves aware of this even in the times of our trials, the storms of life. He is with me in it. And he even gave us revelation back when the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. When they looked in that fiery furnace, there wasn't three, there was four. 
and they had a revelation that the fourth man, I believe, was Jesus Christ in there with them. And he's what he's trying to tell us. If I can be with them in an actual fire and it doesn't touch them and they don't even smell like smoke, what can I do for you? That's our God now. He can stop fire from burning your clothes, burning you. He can even keep smoke off of you in there. Now, if he can do that, how great is our God? Come on, we sing it. How great is our God? He's so great. He's greatly to be praised. Not with this mediocre praise. He's greatly to be praised. There should be always high praise in the house of God. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to stay to my notes out. I want to settle down here. You remember even Joshua. When the Lord talked to Joshua, he told him, and they're going to go into war to take the, take the land. He said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. How was he with Moses? He got him out, all the people out of Egypt, spread the, the sea apart. They all went across on dry land and then closed the water in on the enemy. He says, I was with Moses. As I got you through this desert place, as I fed you with manna from heaven, I fed you, gave you water out of a rock. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Did he get Joshua into the promised land? Now, if he said that to Moses, what if he said that to you? As I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, now I'm going to get attached to your life now. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to get you through everything you're going through. I'm going to get you on the other side into your destiny. I'm going to bring you over into heaven where you're going to get a, a, a full reward. I'm going to get you all the way over. As I was with all my servants then, I'm going to be with you. Amen. See, we got to take this personally. we got to be aware of the fact that he is with us. He has a destiny for us. Even this day, right now, you're sitting in church. There's a book in heaven with your name on it, and there's a page for today. I'm serious now. Your name, a page for today. God has a plan for you for today. You know what you do in the morning when you get up? Lord, thank you for today. I say yes to whatever you have planned for me this day. Let your will be done. And be determined I'm going to fulfill the will of God that he has in his book. Not what I got in my book. Let me see if I, I got anything planned today, Lord. I'll let you know. I, I, I got to go here. I can't. No, no. When the ten spies went over and looked into the promised land, what did they see? With their natural eyes, they seen giants. Now, the Lord had already told them to go in and take the land everywhere you put the sole of your foot. I've already given it to you. It's yours. It's settled. All you have to do is go in and take it. But no, they got into fear. And when they got into fear, spiritual blindness. And it kept them out of what God had for them that day. It took 40 more years to get rid of that fear. Come on. David seen a giant. Did he run from the giant? He seen the same kind of giant. He was one man. How did he face him? 
Did he face him in his own strength with a slingshot? Somebody almost 10 feet tall? No. He says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? What are you saying? This guy ain't even in covenant. I'm in covenant with Almighty God. He's on my side. He's with me. If God's for me, who can be against me? This guy's going to fall. And he did. He fell. He slew him with faith because he had his spiritual eyes focused on the Lord and not his natural eyes on the giant. we got to change focus. Use those spiritual eyes that the Lord has given to us. What happens here is the Jewish people back then, they forgot what God had spoken to them. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, he said, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses, come on, and chariots, and a people more than thou, like Elisha's servant, he said, Be not afraid, just like Elisha told his servant, Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord thy God is with thee. He's with him. And again, if he be for him, who can be against him? Even David, he said in the Psalms, he says, I have always set the Lord before me. He is at my right hand. He set him there. <clears throat> can you imagine setting God somewhere? <clears throat> but he said, I've set him always before me. He was practicing the presence of God. Excuse me. He was practicing the presence of God. He knew God was with him, and God was going to take care of things. All right. Let's go to John 4. <clears throat> I'm going to cut the mic a minute. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their rewards, their labors. We need a vision today to see people differently, especially those we pass every day, whether they're going to work or wherever you're going. That's what Jesus is trying to do to them. Don't just see people with your natural eyes. See them with your spiritual eyes, that they are people in need of salvation. They're in need today. You don't have to wait four months. They need you now. They need to hear the gospel today. So as you go, minister to them. It's harvest time. 
even in Matthew 13, 39, it says the end of the age is the harvest. That's the scripture. Do you believe we're down to the wire now? Looking at what's going on. Can you see us rushing towards the end? We're not only in the last days, we're in the latter end of the last days. I believe we're right now in the time of sorrows where all these things now are coming upon the earth. The end of the age is the harvest. How do we know it's the harvest? By what we see, by what we know. And I want to give you one more thing. There is a prophet who was named Bob Jones. He just went home to be with the Lord in 2014. Almost everything I know that he prophesied came to pass. Before he left the earth, oh, this is way back. 35, I believe, 35 years ago, if I read right, 35 years ago. He said these words. Now listen real close now. He says, when you see the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. That's, what I, that's exactly what I got in the first service. This was 35 years ago. Kansas City Chiefs hadn't won a Super Bowl for 50 years. When you see the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, the revival is about to take place. I hope that opened your eyes a little bit. 35 years ago, and this was one of them guys talking and strange, you know, like that. Some of the people just, whoa, this guy, he's too far out. He was, tell, he was telling people, I don't know how many years ago, way back when, that you'll, you'll be watching television and things on a, on a phone. This, this guy's crazy. And he, all these different things he said, and they all have come to pass. And now this one just came out all of a sudden, as soon as they won the Super Bowl, that one came back. And I remember years ago, all of his prophecies, but this one just slipped me. And now they came to pass. Now the Lord's saying, now look up, lift up your eyes, see men, see the women you pass by every day as part of the harvest I want to bring in in this last hour. He even prophesied, same man, prophesied that there would be one billion youth that would come in to the kingdom of God. Yeah, same person. Almost, he, would, he talked to Mike Bickle when, oh, when he wasn't even at IHOP. He was telling him he would have this property and he would be this and he would be that. And he, Mike just, you know, yeah, okay. He told him all these things. Now, you know where Mike Bickle is? Right where he prophesied he would be doing exactly what he prophesied he would be doing. That's why you have IHOP today. It was prophesied and it came to pass. That's why we must take every word of God and keep it in our heart. It's what's going to get us through this hour. How many of you know you have a ministry? Everybody here has a ministry. You know? Okay. I bet you don't think it's the ministry I'm going to tell you. this. In the scripture it says we all have the ministry of reconciliation. That's what was entrusted to us. Each one of us. We have that ministry of reconciliation. The Lord expects us to win souls. 
not the preachers, not just the preachers, but everyone that can hear my voice. And you say you're a Christian. You have that ministry. And you must look for ways to minister to the people, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's expecting us to be at work in the harvest field, every one of us, because this harvest is going to be great. These buildings ain't going to be holding what God said. If he, and again, I think it was Bob Jones. You're going to have to be out in the fields, stadiums. Churches ain't going to be able to hold it. You wouldn't be able to build them fast enough once it breaks loose. And it will break loose. It's almost like when Elijah was told by the Lord that he was going to send rain. Remember? When God tells you he's going to do something, that doesn't mean we just sit back and don't do anything. He was told he was going to, the Lord was going to send rain. What did he do? He went up and prayed for rain. When the Lord says he's going to do something, then we pray it in. And he prayed. He says, keep praying. Keep sending his servant out there. Keep looking for the rain. And I think it was on the seventh time, he says, I, I see a, a cloud about the size of a hand. He says, that's it. We're out of here. Because he knew it was on his way. See, that little small speck showed him it was the season for that rain to come. And I think what we've been seeing right here in this ministry, souls being saved. I've told everybody, I've never seen anything like it in my 20 years as pastor and that I had back there. I never seen souls being saved like they're being saved here. I may see, if I seen three in a year, boy, that was a good year. If we see less than three here, <laughs> it was a bad day. But that tells you that's, that's what God's doing. It's like that cloud the size of, of a man's hand. That's telling us the big harvest is about to break forth like never before. It's at the door. We've got to use everything we can to minister to the people. Even in my dream, one of the dreams, the Lord says, I'm sending the wind that will bring in the harvest. Okay. Do I sit back and say, okay, he's going to send the wind? No. Now I say, Lord, send the wind. Send the wind, Lord. Even like he told Ezekiel in chapter 37 of Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. Call the wind for. So when he says, I'm going to send the wind, I start to pray and call for the Holy Spirit to come forth and move on the hearts of all the people on the earth, all the people on the earth, not just the ones I'm praying for, all the people on the earth, start to draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ because no one comes to the Lord except the Father draw them, and the Father draws them with cords of love. There's a draw on their hearts. I call it divine magnetism. I even tell my wife sometimes, I said, we're magnetized. You know, magnetized. We are. And the Lord one time in the dream told me, he said, Frank, take me to the streets. We're not just to be taking him to the church. Take him to the streets. When the first major move of God came at Pentecost, they didn't stay in that upper room and make it into a church. The Holy Spirit took them right out into the streets and 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000 souls were saved just by doing what God told them to do. We've got to be like the Good Samaritan. 
we don't pass by a need. Somebody that's half dead like the, 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 the preachers did. They were on their way to church. They couldn't bother with this guy. He's half dead. Let somebody else take care of him. But the good Samaritan, seen and he's moved by compassion, went to that person who was half dead and ministered to them, poured in the oil and the wine, and took him to the inn to be, be brought back to health. We pass how many people every day? How many you talk to at work? How many you talk to in line at church? Or, I mean, in, in the stores or wherever you're at? It's up to us to move, to help people when they, when they express a need. When the compassion of Jesus that's in us starts to move, we need to move there. Say, let me pray for you. Tell them about Jesus. Something, don't just leave the need there and wait for somebody else to meet that need. Pray for them. I've had people in, in some of the department stores that, like me, I say, well, you all right? Ah, I'm sick. I'll pray for you. See, there's openings all over the place if we're just sensitive to the openings and to move there and, and, and preach the word of God, not preach, tell them about Jesus. Sometimes preaching don't sound too good. But we got to be open to meet the people as we go. Even Jesus says, as you go, preach. As you go, heal. As you go, raise the dead. As you go, there's going to be needs all around you. Those people ain't half dead out there. They're completely dead. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. They are spiritually dead, and they're bound for hell. And the only way they're going to get out of it is somebody like you and I will call them out and talk to them and tell them about the love of Christ. Where would we be today if somebody didn't tell us? I'd probably be in some jail someplace, and then I'd end up being a cop. Why? Why? I don't, I don't tell everything that I did, but I could have been there, believe me. But there's how many people out there? They're on that path. We're the only stop sign. They're rushing towards hell. And the Lord puts us in people's paths that we can minister to them and help them. There's a slogan I was given in a dream also uh, for evangelism. Two words, anywhere, anytime. Anywhere, anytime. And you can add to that if you want. If not, us who? If not now, when? Are we going to pass people by? And just say, let somebody else take care of it? No, we got to be ready. we got to see them with our spiritual eyes, like Jesus said, Look on the harvest. Look on. It's ripe. Now is the time to reap. It's up to us, church. Use anything you can to bring in the souls. Oh, I wasn't going to do this, but I guess I better. Because some of my grandkids are here. They may not like pap telling on them. So. About several years ago, one of my Christmas presents that my grandchildren got for me was a talking fish on a plaque. <laughs> Remember? I think it was back when McDonald's was 
advertising our fish sandwich. Remember, how would you like to be that fish hanging on a wall? I would play it. I'd have fun with it. But then one day I, I looked on the bottom of that plaque, and there was a little brass plate there. And on it, it said, Frankie the Fish. And I had a revelation. <laughs> You're looking at Frankie the Fish. Uh, Frankie the Fish has got me before a lot of people. But you see, I'll use anything I can to get close to people. We go shopping. My wife will tell you. She, she gets embarrassed. She has her head in her. The grandkids do. They know. I walk up in the line, the guys at the register sweeping stuff through, and I walk up and say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm okay, how you doing? I'm doing okay, man. I play Frankie the Fish with him. <laughs> and I'll do that three, four, five times, and now they start looking for Frankie the Fish. I'll walk, into, I'll walk into the dollar store. I'm looking at this stuff, and I'll hear across the, across the way, hey, Frankie, how you doing? I'm telling you, oh, man. <laughs> Wife will tell you. Hey, Frankie. But see what I do is I, I, I get them to get a smile on their face, make like a, a little easy if I can for them. And then I'll say something to them like, am I going to see you in heaven? And he looks at you, oh, I hope so. And you say, do you want to know so? See, not just hope so. Do you want to know so? Let me tell you about Jesus. And I give him the love of God, how much he loves him, died for them, and wants them to be with him. Simple things. He may not give you a Frankie the fish, but whatever he gives you, you use it. There's one at Aldi's. I never even talked to this girl before. I don't, I don't think I ever talked to her. I see my wife go through the line. I was looking for something. And I look up and I see this girl at the register. She comes out from behind the register, walks all the way around, gives my wife a hug. Never seen her before. Gives her a hug. So I come down by the register to get with my wife. She comes out from behind the register again, comes over and gives me a hug. I don't know this girl from a stick of wood. <laughs> gives me a hug. I said, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know it ain't me. You guys, you can tell there ain't nothing here going to attract you. <laughs> it had to be the glory of God that she was seeing in our lives. That's what attracts them. An 81-year-old guy, Frankie the Fish. Why? Nah. Huh? No. It's the glory of God is starting to be released on his people. And it's to draw people to Jesus that's in us. Don't be surprised what happens. I, this may be hard, but maybe my brother over there will understand. A car salesman. Last time I bought a new car, the lady left us with a hug. 
I just sign the papers and she gives us hugs. I said, well, I play. a car salesman giving me a hug, giving my wife a hug. And then every time we come back to get an oil change or something, she looks us up and comes on, has to hug us. Now, I'm not saying anything to shine light on me. I'm wanting to shine light on the Lord who is in me and is revealing himself to the people out there. But we all have that in us. Let the love of God come out from us to minister to them. And there's that saying that says, you reap what you sow. Remember, reaping what you sow. I've sown Frankie to fish all around, you know. I mean, all around. There's, there's people who say, I know you. I know you. I've, been, I've been told about you. Yeah. We went into uh, Golden Corral the other day. I said, hey, you ever meet Frankie the Fish? She says, yeah, I, I remember you. <laughs> I don't remember her, but she remembers me. But you reap what you sow. And so all this Frankie the Fish I've been sowing, all the stories I've been telling, about two, not even two weeks ago, I was standing in line in CVS waiting to get my prescription. I'm next in line waiting, minding my own business. The elderly gentleman walks over towards me, short fellow about like he's here, has on his veteran's cap like I wear, veteran's cap. He stops in front of me. He says, you know, about 533 million years ago when, when I was around and the dinosaurs were around, he says, you know, you could take one of them legs off of that dinosaur and you could feed a whole city. Oh. He says, yeah, he says, straight face. You can feed a whole city with one leg of them dinosaurs. He says, they, they called them Dino Burgers. I'm reaping what I'm sowing, see, Dino Burgers. So I'm playing back with him. I said, yeah, I helped Noah build the ark. He says, yeah, I know, I seen you there. <laughs> I was glad to hear, next. <laughs> I said, you got to laugh. You have to laugh. And this day, I've never seen a guy again. I said, I wonder if I've just seen an angel paying me back for what I've been doing with the other ones. You know? <laughs> I don't know. But you've got to have a little fun out there. Everything's too serious today. We've got to be ready to go to places nobody else will go. He even said, go out into the highways and the byways, the hedges. Go everywhere. I want my house filled. That means we don't walk by. The church doesn't walk by. Those out in San Francisco. That means they don't walk by the homeless. Yeah, nobody wants to be around. All you see is the, the, the needles and all the other stuff you hear. I don't want to talk about it in church. But all the other stuff, we can just walk by and but the church needs to go there. Jesus died for them also. They'll go to hell just as sure as somebody in a $1,000 suit. And we're there to stop that from happening. What's great about this, the Lord doesn't only give us everything we need to minister. Then after we're all done, he rewards us. How's that for you? He gives us his power. He gives us his authority. He gives us the word. He gives us everything. 
And then when life is over, if we use what he's given us, then he rewards us. There's a crown of rejoicing for those who win souls. Crown of rejoicing. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? Oh, I can't wait. But I don't think you have a long one either. Um, <laughs> that went by there. It went, when we get to heaven. And you see this bunch of people. Hey, Frankie! Hey, Mike! And you see this bunch of people. Well, I've never seen them before. But see, you planted a seed somewhere. Somebody else watered that seed. And then another person come and lead them to Christ, and they think they're something. But no, you're not something in yourself because you led somebody to Christ. It's you entered into the reward with that one that sowed, the one that watered, and now it was all prepared for you. You just gave them the word, and boom, they got saved. Who's the great one? Who gets the reward? All three. We plan ahead for our retirements. We plan ahead for our vacations. How many plan ahead for eternity? And I'm not just talking about getting saved. I'm talking about how many plan to receive something on the other side. How, many, how much of our investments are in the stock market and how much of our investments are in the kingdom of God? He said, set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Come on. There are rewards up there. They're out of sight. And they're for us. Will we go and get them? Or will we stay focused with our natural eyes on all we can attain here in the natural realm? I don't know. I want to lay up treasures in heaven where if the stock market crashes, I still got a treasure. I'm not dependent on that. Lord knows I don't have any earthly treasure. Almost everything I have was given to me. That's when they really made real furniture. I still have it. I have it that somebody else had it that was given to them. I still have it. I still use it. It's still good. So why plan just for down here? Let's plan for eternity. Send treasures ahead where there's real rewards that will last for eternity. What you're focusing on down here is going to pass away. It'll all burn up. All these things you think you have to have, one day they're all going to burn up. But what God has, they're eternal. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for just reminding us this morning that we are the answer to someone's prayer. God, thank you for reminding us that we're not just coming to you so we can have fire insurance and not have to go to hell. But Lord, you saved us to use us to be the answer to someone's prayer. Father, I pray that all those 
people that are in our hearts that we're yearning for them to be saved, Lord, that we would spend time at your feet and we would pray and we would minister and we would have a ready word in our mouths. Lord, use us anywhere and everywhere to connect with people, to love people. There's so many hurting people that we brush shoulders with. Father, help us to have those spiritual eyes that can see the need not just to see them in, in the way or in front of us at line or slow in traffic, but to see their need, Lord God, and then to be that hand of grace extended to them. Use us. If you're here this morning and you've never had an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, God has made it so simple. Salvation is not something we earn. It's not something we uh, strive for. It's not something we pay for. Salvation is a free gift given to us by God. And Jesus paid the cost of it. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we would be saved. He made it so simple. He did the heavy lifting. He made it so that if we would just confess our sin and receive Jesus as Savior, that we would be saved. And for some people, that is just too easy. And they say, no, I, I got to change. I got to be religious. I got to do works. And they miss it. Don't miss it today. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. You say, what will happen if I do that? He'll give you a clean slate and a fresh start. He'll forgive all of your sins. You say, how could he do that? He sent his son to die to pay the cost of our sin, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you the power to live a different life. You might say, I've tried to change. I've tried to behave. I've tried to not sin. And the, the harder I try, the worse it gets. We can't save ourselves. So I want to encourage you today. Stop trying and fall into the arms of Jesus. God loves you and he's made provision for you. And today he offers you salvation. If you want a clean slate and a fresh start, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to just raise your hand in this place and say, I want to accept Jesus today as my Savior and Lord. How many people want to do that today? If you need to do it, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. A decision like this changed my life when I was 14 years old. I've never been the same. Hundreds and hundreds of people have made that decision. If you need to today, I want to give you that opportunity. Praise God. Everybody here knows Jesus. Praise God. I'm trusting that you're right with him. I want to pray a prayer over us. Lord, I pray that you would use your children today to be light in the darkness. Father, as the world gets crazy and seems to spin out of control, Father, you have revival on the way. Father, I think about those prophetic things that have been promised, the last day revival. Lord, I think about that pr prophecy that Pastor Frank said about a billion youth. Lord, that excites me deep in my spirit. Father, use us to be laborers in the harvest. Father, if it's harvest time, if it's revival time, we're ready for duty, sir. So use us. Give us divine opportunities. Put the word in our mouth. Help us to be friendly and to be evangelistic and to be available. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise this morning.